outer beach. Last night, Penny spent the full hour alone on Turn Island. She knew it because she had set a timer on her forest green and brown Timex Indiglow wristwatch. She also knew she wasn't technically alone. Seals, birds, terns, hopefully, if the island's name was worth its salt. All sorts of crabs and even more sorts of bugs were her invisible snoozing companions. An hour passed in a heartbeat, and when she closed the round metal doorknob of the bunk room in the cool, dark basement of Graham's house, Penny could still see the summer moon on the backs of her eyelids. She grabbed all four of the comforters in an otherwise unoccupied room and bundled under them in her twin bed. Tomorrow night, she decided she'd do it again, but this time she'd go all the way. A quarter mile beyond the turn aisle lay the outer beach. Penny's parents always referred to the barrier island as Secret Beach. At least once a summer, they'd all head to the fish pier and hop into the yellow boat, captained by someone who looked like Santa's no-good brother, and spend the day on a quiet island playing paddleball, eating sandwiches, and digging holes. Boats were the only way to get to the outer beach, at least nowadays. They used to be able to drive all the way there from Orleans. Graham liked to explain that she'd hand over her heavy binoculars to Penny. Penny always listened to Graham. Except now. Graham had explicitly forbidden Penny from kayaking all the way to the outer beach. Even though Penny was an expert kayaker, she lived on Orcas Island, after all. Even though Penny is now 13, a real teenager, even though Penny was pretty sure Graham had done it herself, sure, Graham allowed Penny to kayak around Turn Island and even stop for lunch, all by herself, but this was during the sunshine, and Graham always watched her like a ship's lookout. But something was calling to Penny from the outer beach. Her parents were arriving this Friday, and Penny knew they'd all be heading down to the yellow boat so they could have their fix of secret beach. But that wasn't it. The day passed in a blur of sprinkles, ice cream cones, and pool time. There was even a midday library visit where Penny took out a book on the famous Coast Guard rescues in Cape Cod town. She might as well be preparing for anything. Graham was an avowed night owl. Penny waited until nearly midnight reading her Coast Guard book under her covers with a flashlight before venturing to open the bunk door. Penny's headlamp flashed against the wall covered in framed rock and roll records. Her dad always said he was happy with Graham's collection, but Penny could never find the record player to see what he was talking about. He pushed aside the love seat where she hidden her things, a small water-resistant pack filled with two almond butter packets, a Ziploc of whole almonds, an Almond Joy candy bar, and almond milk in a thermos. Penny was going through an almond thing. She had also a compass on red string, which she put around her neck, a poorly folded map of the harbor, a spool of fishing line, and some striper hooks with gummy fake bait attached, 
a pack of matches, a pocket knife that she'd found in her granddad's study, and something else too, the most important thing. Penny added a library book to the pack, zipped it, and slung it over her shoulders before padding over to the basement door. She unlocked it, and the door opened with a pop and a hiss. Penny shuddered. Graham didn't hear it last night, though. She probably didn't hear it this time either. Penny's banana seat bike stood near the overturned charcoal grill from the summer when, she, when the gas grill was out of commission. She put on her helmet, tucked the headlight lower so that she could see its beam, and undid the kickstand. She rode across the damp grass to the dirt patch down to the beach. Graham's kayak was made of clear plastic, which made it hard to find in the darkness. Usually kayaks are bright red and orange, like Penny's back in Washington. But sure enough, Graham's was clear as tape. When you rode it, it felt like nothing was between you and the water, and whatever might be swimming beneath you. Penny had mixed feelings about this design. Something flashed across the water. Heat lightning, thought Penny. And then it flashed again ten seconds later. The lighthouse beam, she remembered. The spinning light reflecting off the clouds over the outer beach. Penny dragged the kayak down to the waterline, which was further than usual thanks to the exceptional low tide. Penny looked up at the orange and full moon. She tucked her pack into the cubbyhole, snapped on her life jacket, and then pushed the craft further into the water before hopping in to go. Last night, Penny felt it forever to reach Turn Island as she darted between the fishing boats moored in the harbor. Tonight, in no time, she was already past Turn Island, following the flowing channels between the sandbars, the same ones that the yellow boat took. There was a single house standing on the outer beach, a shack, really. You could see it from the shore, Penny knew, and you could really see it from Graham's binoculars. Penny was mystified by it. Who lived there? How did they get their groceries? Graham said no one lived there year-round, and even stranger that the owners weren't allowed to fix it up. If it fell into the ocean, then that was that. In fact, there used to be dozens of houses on the outer beach, but the tide swallowed them all up. There were no lights on the house tonight, probably unoccupied, but Penny still decided to steer clear of it, and she navigated into the channel that took her slightly more south. The waters became choppy halfway to outer beach. The current picked up. Penny's worst fear was that she'd be pulled out into the deep ocean through the break in the barrier island that was probably Graham's worst fear, too. The kayak became difficult to control, and Penny nearly lost her paddle trying to turn the craft. She dug in, forcing her paddle against the current, trying to get back on track. But just as quickly as it became choppy, the water stilled. The sea became a silent lake. The lake became a calm bath. Penny dipped her paddle into the water, and the water sparkled in neon blue. She did it again on the other side. The same thing happened. Each time Penny's paddle tapped into the water, the water flashed back like a thousand blue fireflies exploding at once. 
Was this algae bloom? She remembered her dad talking about something like this happening when he was camping one night along Tomales Bay near San Francisco, where he used to live when he met her mom. The blue flashes then darted ahead of her kayak, beckoning her. Penny followed until she heard the crunch of the kayak's nose hit the outer beach. Thank you, Penny said, turning back to the water. Once again, swift. She pulled her Graham's kayak deep into the sand, well above the tide line, and hitched it to a boulder. She grabbed her pack from the cubby. Her feet found the narrow path through the dune grass. She felt coyote eyes, yellow and sleepy, follow her through the other side where the deep ocean crashed and howled. At her feet were 100,000 horseshoe crabs dragging their armor towards a massive tide pool. A seal cried like a siren, like Graham's voice. Penny removed her pack and placed it in the sand. She unzipped it and quickly got to work. She struck a match, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. The fireworks soared into the sky, higher and higher still. Penny kept on counting. Is that it? That's it.